It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. What's the one thing all great teams have in common? Great coaching. Try to suck up to me, Evelyn. I'm Gordon Bombay, the new hockey coach. All right, let's go! Learn me! Come on! We're Team USA, gathered from all across America. And we're going to stick together. You know why? Because we are ducks, and ducks fly together. It's the Quack Attack Podcast. Hey everybody, you want to play some hockey? I'm Mike, Tommy, and Kevin are not here. That is because it is the last episode of the year. The Quack Question of the Year nominees. So if you're unfamiliar with how this works, we have selected five nominees. And when I say we, it is really me who has gone back and listened to all the Quack Questions from the last year and picked my five favorite ones. You guys are going to vote at thequackattack.com. There's a poll there in the show notes. You can vote once an hour. Pick the winner. The winner gets to come on the show and we pass the torch, get some other goodies and whatnot. But uh, we have five questions for you that are just going to run here back to back. All were asked this year. My criteria was pretty simple. Had to be a good question. Had to look at it on paper and say, hey, that's a good question. Uh, Number two, generate a good discussion. Obviously, we're a podcast. We need some good prompts. So, And also lead to an unexpected place, which I think all five of these questions did. I think we started in one place and ended up in a completely different one. So I enjoyed that. Without further ado, here are the nominees for the 2020 Quack Question of the Year. Today, this quack question comes from uh, Baddy or Bad Eye um, on Twitter. Um, and Bad Eye's, Baddy's question is uh, just how bad were Goldberg's farts? Serious analysis required. <laughs> okay. Um, so we really have the, the limo fart, which he denies. And then D2 the main fart was portman so goldberg gets off the hook there but i i i'm assuming bad eye batty is is just talking in general about goldberg farting so um i think i think it must be pretty bad because like he has this reputation so like that's a good point they get a reputation yeah for for farting and for it to be pretty like awful for everyone involved like and they all say like goldberg yeah um i it's it's got to be terrible and i mean you look at his diet to start with and he works at a deli so he's probably eating a lot of meat yeah um you know and it's interesting again like little giants there's like the character who farts a lot it's i guess it's a go-to like i mean farts are always funny they're yeah, always gonna exactly. be funny. always funny but also um it could be a sign of some uh, really unhealthy eating habits. Mm. Um, and so what they should have done is in D3 is when Julie the cat was like eating unhealthy, like Goldberg should have like brought a full circle. Maybe she had a lot of like a gas problem. Yeah, that would have been nice. Maybe that was cut out. I feel like that had some potential. So we'll, we'll have to go back and find the raw footage. 
But I, I feel like that was something that they had in and they cut it out. But uh, that's just speculation. Uh, great points. That's what I was going to bring up. Goldberg working at a deli, eating a lot of meat. Um, the whole yeah, the whole reputation is an excellent um, starting point, I guess, because it's not just one or two people. It's the entire ducks know about this. So he's probably got the reputation not just on the team, but at school, maybe even at home. Um, so how bad were they? I I don't know the correct scale um, to rate this. Uh, I don't know. Should we do a star system? Should we try to compare it to another smell? Um. Yeah, I don't know. That's tricky. Um, is there can, like we, a... we can do it based on the the little cloud emoji thing, <laughs> the little wind. Is there like a like a scientific study? Ooh, like. Oh, this is like a, a six point eight on like the 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 Dylan Ennis scale, which measures the uh, you know the amount of toxicity in one person's you know go. fart. Um, yeah. Um, so I'm on my work computer, so I don't really want to be googling that. Um, there is a oh, Cornell. Some Cornell students did a fart intensity detector. Nice. Uh, but does that just measure like like power? <laughs> uh, I'm looking through here. I'm looking through. Um, they oh they brought up the air composition, and this is intense. Main method. Here we go. Uh, to obtain and to update timers, button state is played. <laughs> playback feature. Um, yeah, I, th- I think they were just looking at sort of the power and the air. yeah i think they're looking at oh okay so they're looking at the hydrogen sulfide detector and and they have graphs of spikes here this is intense i like this um grand scheme of things they don't really is there a conclusion or anything yeah i'm, I'm going through here i'm trying to i'm trying to buy myself some time do we need to take a quick commercial break while we, uh, while Mike? That's true. I'll just, let me just, uh, we'll be back in a second as I try to figure out this. We are back. So I've, I've read through this, this again from some Cornell students back in 2009. So they had, they created a fart magnitude scale, uh, that ranges from zero to nine according to sound, temperature, and gas concentrations. Um, so, um, I guess based on what we know, Goldberg has some loud farts. Um, so I would, I, there's probably high in sound. He's a big guy. He's probably producing a lot of gas and I guess that changes temperatures. Um, so I guess we can just rate it zero to nine, um, based on, is those. there like one no 10? Is there no perfect fart? <laughs> is that like some teachers don't give a hundred on something cause... <laughs> that's a good point it's like it's like the one baseball writer that voted against Doug oh, Peter. <laughs> doesn't do the fucking first ballot hall of fame yeah. nonsense um just a, a quick quote um from this paper uh quote the truth is that farts are something recurrent in everyday life just like we breathe we fart so that is uh that is their in their introduction I don't know why they went zero to nine. I think just because they are 
um, sort of techies. So it's sort of the programming, a lot of programming languages you start at zero. Um, so is there I, like the Richter scale? Does that end on nine? I don't know. I don't know. We're getting way too too sciencey <laughs> here. I guess this guy did say serious analysis required. Um, so I'll, I'll I'll go ahead and start him off at an eight. Because, an eight. Yeah, I mean, he's got the reputation, you know. Yeah, my only concern is his youth. Yeah, I feel, I feel like he's not as experienced as some of more the more experienced <laughs> farters out there. So eight is eight is high, but um, all right. Eight, like for his age, it's just like oh, um, okay. Like it's like child size, like shoe sizes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So eight for for child size. Yeah. Child eight. I like that. Tommy, do you agree? Um, I'd say it's probably more of a child seven because it seems like some of this might just be like reputation that maybe he's a little unfairly earned. Yeah, that's true. Um, and maybe like one time he like bent down and farted and it's just like now he's a reputation for the farting kid. It's like um, like if you peed your pants in school or something, you're mm-hmm. that's what you're remembered for. Like you better move schools. Like yeah. So if he farted once in class, like that's him. He's the fart kid. A uh, quick sidebar about fart kids. Uh, m- my mom was a school nurse uh, back in the day, and there was a teacher that had been complaining about this kid and his excessive flatulence. And she was she just like asked my mom like how what can we do? So my mom called called him into her office or whatever and told him that uh, whenever he uh, needs to pass gas, he should go he should poke his head out the hallway and do so. So that's exactly what the kids started doing. He would get up out of class and poke his head, only his head, <laughs> out the door and then fart back into the classroom. <laughs> he knew what he was doing. That's great. That's great. Um, yeah, I do I do think we should drop him down to a seven because he, he adamantly denies the limo fart. Um, so, But that is a good point. I, I do think he has a reputation. Maybe he let a couple go early on and then that sort of um solidified the reputation and now he's just sort of living off that so um i like that so we'll give him a child seven (laughs) um that's i guess pre-18 once you go 18 you're 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 playing on the senior team so um there you go good question this theory comes from nigel who's (laughs) at 28 underscore eight kbps kilobits per second tweets which is a very a very complicated twitter name but that's what it is so uh nigel's theory is this is a this is a six a six tweet thread so um it's so i've been thinking about this more than i should but i'm 100 convinced that little big league and the mighty ducks take place in the same universe in little big league the twins are playing for the wild card which means it must be the 1994 season Billy Haywood is 12 years old. D2 was released in 1994 and believed to take place in 1994. With the Ducks one year removed from Pee Wees, then it's safe to say they are 12 to 13 years old. This means Billy Haywood and the Ducks are about the same age, in the same city, and both are celebrities. It's possible they, they know each other or have met, or maybe Billy and Adam Banks even go to the same school. Also in the Mighty Ducks, Jesse and Terry's dad complains about missing overtime to attend games. Does he get a second job? 
in Little Big League, who shows up as a security guard at the Metrodome? The Hall brothers' dad. To top it all off, in D2, Gordon Bombay discusses endorsements and investments, and his big idea is the Air Bombay Loafer for kids who want to coach. I believe he makes this happen, and Billy Haywood is the face of the Air Bombay Loafer. I liked it. I think the strongest point, the connecting point, is Hall's dad. Because that would make sense why he might not be at every game, why he's mad that he's, you know, giving up his overtime pay for this. Because he's, if it's at night, you would figure the game, the hockey game that he's going to is at night, maybe the same day as a Twins game. Um, So that is the strongest connecting point. I like this too because you have, you would figure if they're trying to, if Tibbles and Bombay are going for, a loafer you need a face um and you no no one better than this kid manager um so i like it i like it so i am realizing it's been a really long time since i've seen little big league and i get that one and rookie of the year confused constantly um he's the manager in little big league Yes, he's the manager. He, so he's like the son of the owner, or excuse me, grandson of the owner. And so grandpa dies, and he's like this, like he loves baseball. He like knows everything about baseball, every rule, et cetera. Grandpa dies, leaves him the twins to be the owner, and then he fires the manager. And then it's like, yeah, no one wants to work for a kid. And then he's like, well, I should be the manager. And then um, – Okay, I, I, yeah. I'm vaguely remembering. Also, wait, quick side side question. Is the kid the same guy that plays Kevin in American Pie? No, that's in that's rookie of the league where he's the Cubs pitcher. Okay, okay, that's okay. That's where I'm getting mixed up. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I, I like this theory because I, I think there are a, enough uh, connectors here to like make it plausible, uh, especially like the being in the same city at the around the same time. Um, I, I I I really like this. It, it seems to be a well developed theory very well developed and also in little big league there's a line they say like oh yeah we could use the publicity because like the twin, twins are really shitty and he said like people are already talking about go for football i imagine what they also want to say is you know of course you've got those mighty ducks and people are talking about them they're not talking about the twins and so another reason why the twins could use the publicity um is because you know gordon bombay and his ducks now obviously they take place different times a year and so this would be like latter half of the summer would be when little big league takes place. Um, so it's, um, I think it's pretty plausible that these are in the same universe. I think it really ties together for the kids who want to coach thing because what they don't say is like, yeah, like Bill Haywood, because it's so obvious to everyone there that he's referencing Bill Haywood. Um, but yeah, I think it's great. And I think, um, and the security guard mentions that like it was his first day and so it's clear that um, the Hall's dad, Mr. Hall, um, he is, um, who's played by John Beasley, by the way, um, he is looking for, for work to help out um, his, uh, his kids. And uh, I think it ties in very well. I'm, I'm going to poke one hole in this theory. A baseball manager would not wear a loafer. Oh, great point. Bombay doesn't know that, though, because... Like hockey coaches aren't wearing lo- loafers either. They're wearing sure they I mean, are. I mean, they're wearing dress shoes. So, but, 
Yeah, I would. I would. That is a good point. Uh, two things, though. I think the timing works well, actually. So, um, because it you as Tommy mentioned, little big league, they're making their run late summer. Junior Goodwill Games happen in March, so they hatch this idea at the party or whatever. That's a few months to find Haywood, get a deal done, that kind of stuff. Um, as far as the loafer, I mean, maybe it's just for, I was going to say press conferences, but even press conferences, the baseball managers. Yeah. Come well, out there there's, a, there's a dress code when they're traveling. So, But if, if that were the case, though, it would just be like a shoe, you know? Like the loafer part is like for the literal coaches on the sideline. Yeah, but you got to have a bigger audience than just the Bill Haywood of the world. You got to have like yeah. NBA coaches. Well, I know NBA coaches would make sense. Yeah, but a baseball I mean, that, coach that doesn't make sense. sense. Well, I, I mean, I think you could you could sign Billy up as your face because he is obviously the most recognizable kid who wanted to coach, um, and he's sort of the deal. He's sort of the apparel hawk, but he doesn't necessarily um, wear it while he's in uniform. He just wears. Yeah, it he, out he wears there. like I like I wear this when I like uh, and I'm traveling on the road. And I need to be sophisticated. People need to take me seriously. So yeah, I like it. I I think this um, has a lot of legs. Um, is there? And any... He's also like the owner, so. That's like true. he's got to make all these boardroom deals, and he's got to look the part. We we got to get uh, Billy Haywood on the yeah on the pod no that that ownership point is a great point because he's he's negotiating with or i guess he's talking with like gm and stuff to negotiate player contracts but uh he's got to be in boardrooms and i don't know if there's a loafer out there that is good for kids so i think this is a, a symbiotic relationship um i don't know if i use that word right or not but i'm sure the quack lights will let me know uh but yeah I like it. Anything else on this theory? Yeah, I think um, I think it's excellent. I think um, it's definitely one that um, is a uh, kind of has Quack Attack written all over it. You know, we have a lot of theories kind of involving the uh, the actors, actresses in it. Um, and so the actor who played Bill Haywood, uh, Billy, as he's known when he's a like a kid, Bill when he's trying to be grown up, as Luke Edwards. Who apparently is still acting, according to his IMDb um, profile. Um, I don't recognize a lot of the stuff he's been in. Um, actually, I don't really recognize any of it. Um, but apparently, he was in American Pie 2 as quote unquote high school guy. I watched oh. American Pie 2 last night, actually. <laughs> wow. That's a good Did one. you see high school guy? I think guy? it's better than the original. <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of high school guys in there. So um, maybe. Uh, I, I will say one one last thing on this. Um, I'm very disappointed that Tommy didn't come up with this theory because it seems to be this would be right in Tommy's wheelhouse. That's true. So, so we're not we're not upset with you, Tommy. We're just disappointed. I think that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. Wow. All right. Well, there you have it. I I am a big fan. This is one of the better um, theories our Quackalites have thrown out there. I'll do this question from Bill just because uh, it's it's pretty long, but I thought he had some interesting ideas here. Um, so, you know, he says, we have a great pod. He hasn't listened to them all. 
Uh, this has already been discussed. Please disregard. Then he says, I noticed once the Ducks started packing the arena, Charlie's mom and Jesse and Terry's dad sat right next to one another in all the games. Could it be possible that there was something going on there between the two of them? A little spark, perhaps. Could it be once Gordon tried out for the minors, the two began a passionate secret affair, which only heated up once the Bombay and the kids went off to the junior good world games. My theory is that an oblivious Gordon turned into an enraged Gordon once the team returned from Los Angeles and found out about the affair. With the pull he had as a celebrity coach and now a very powerful Eden Hall alum, Gordon selfishly prevented the school from giving Jesse a well-deserved scholarship as he wanted Mr. Hall out of Casey's life. He did this because he wanted to be the sole father figure in Charlie's life. Not for the betterment of Charlie, of course, but his own selfish ego he's been trying to fulfill ever since he choked in Pee Wee's in 73. He'd have it all in his mind, notoriety, a career in hockey, and a son he wants all the credit in raising without anyone to come between them and without actually doing any of the work for his very hollow accolades. Gordon Bombay has a track record for playing dirty and or gimmicky in the courtroom and on the ice, but denying Jesse Hall and e- Eden Hall education for his own selfish motives, motives might be his lowest and dirtiest trick of them all. Remember, he told Frankie Boy five minutes into the first documentary, he had no idea how low Bob Bay could stoop. This is what he was referring to. That's, that's, some, solid, that's some solid fan fiction right there. <laughs> so the question is, was there some go, something going who, uh, on? Between... Who, who asked it? Oh, Bill. Bill. Well, hats off to Bill. <laughs> yeah. Great question. Um, Very active yeah. imagination. So the question is, I think the first question is, there's two here really. The first question is, was there going, something going on between Mr. Hall and Casey Conway? So the fact that when Gordon says he's going to like leave the team and Mr. Hall is going to take over, I think also lends into this in some capacity because it's clear that Mr. Hall is involved but you know maybe he's only as involved because you know he needs to keep charlie in his good graces or whatever man that's why charlie likes him he's like okay yeah mr hall clearly likes charlie for some reason um and then maybe yeah he does like like he's involved with maybe there's like a team like fundraiser and then he's always volunteering because you know miss conway is also going to be there so it's possible um i think the only the only thing really going against this is Mr. Hall comes off as someone who's very loyal. Mm-hmm. And so unless his wife is no longer in the picture, divorce, past, whatever, I, it's tough for me to believe that just because I think uh, Mr. Hall seems like a really good guy who wouldn't do that um, to his wife. Yeah, I think him coming in and saying, this is what I give of my overtime pay for is interesting because it's like, his wife could not have taken them, but maybe she's working too. Um, like, I just don't know why the dad has to be there at all times instead of, you know, the mom maybe dropping them off every once in a while. So um, maybe, maybe, the, maybe the mom doesn't want them playing hockey. Oh, she thinks it's too dangerous. So, yeah, I mean, that would be, that would sort of put a, a pin in Bill's balloon here. But well, I think. On the other hand, I think he really onto something is why Jesse might not have the, uh, might be not be going to Eden Hall. Like Bombay finds out and is enraged and ensures that he does not get that scholarship because 
somehow Bombay got Portman, a 26-year-old, a scholarship <laughs> to Eaton Hall, was able to enroll like in the middle of the month randomly. So if Jesse Hall wanted, if, if Bombay wanted Jesse to be at Eaton Hall, he'd be at Eaton Hall. Yeah, no, that is a great point. And um, I think that second part is true. I think, I think for whatever reason, Gordon Bombay did not either fight for Jesse Hall or explicitly banned Eden Hall from giving Jesse a scholarship. Um, the question is, like, was this, if it was the relationship between Mr. Hall and Casey, was it in Gordon's mind? Did he make more of it than what it was? Like, maybe they were just friends and they sat together at the games and maybe and Gordon sort of took that out of proportion um so do we think going back I guess to the original question do we think that something was going on here or do we think that Gordon thought something that was going on here or did Gordon just leave Jesse Hall off for a different reason maybe he thought something was going on because maybe once upon a time there was like maybe they grew up together you know, they're in the same district, you know, maybe they went to, ran in similar, you know, paths, whatever, and uh, went to high school together or something. So maybe they dated once upon a time. And so now uh, Bombay's incredibly jealous. Yeah. I think, I think the more likely scenario is that Bombay was cool with it because he, he wanted to break up with her anyway. And, uh, he was, he was actually pushing them. He, he, he was looking for an out. Yeah. He's like, Hey, why Casey, why don't you go sit next to Mr. Hall? <laughs> Yeah, so he that's uh that's sort of the flip side to all of this is he, he sort of set this up and had them sit together and uh made the team come together. Uh to sort of Bill's point, like he wanted all this recognition for being the father figure and that kind of stuff, but didn't want to do any of the work. So he sort of slid Mr. Hall in there uh to to help out. <laughs> that that is an interesting point. Uh, I think it goes back to the question, though, then why wouldn't Jesse Hall get the scholarship uh, if this was a Bombay plant? Well, maybe Jesse found out, like, hey, you broke up my parents. I don't want to fucking play for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. House wrecker. I could see that. Yeah. And Jesse's just like, I- I'm going to public school. Like, fuck We've you. We've also man. talked that, like, Terry died tragically, which. That's um, true. Jesse wanted to stay home to, to help out his dad because um, his dad's having to get overtime payments and everything. That's true. Okay. Yeah. So a lot to, uh, a lot to sort of settle here. So let's go one by one. So do we think Gordon Bombay, well, first of all, do we think Casey Conway and Mr. Hall had some sort of relationship beyond being friends? I'll say yes, but it was Bombay pushing it for it. Okay, yeah, that's the second question. Do we think Bombay liked it or didn't like it? Tommy, do you think, are we going with this theory that Bombay set it up? If there was a relationship, then yes, because Bombay is a conniving lawyer. Okay, so Bombay set it up because uh, he wanted it out, but he also wanted, you know, the credit for being a father figure in Charlie's life. Okay, so we have this. So what, something was indeed going on. Um, is this so what we're saying that Mr. Hall was married and Bombay sort of set this up and broke up the home? I only I only see this as I think it only realistically happens if 
Mr. Hall and his wife were on the outs or something, yeah. or if she maybe wasn't they in the were picture. separated. And yeah. so maybe that's why Jesse says like, well, now there's no chance of them getting back together because he finds out it was like Bombay's plan all along to like to wreck these multiple houses and and Charlie is I guess really stupid maybe or what, what does Charlie know any of this I don't think so I think Charlie's just sort of aloof like he's just not paying attention to what's going on with his mom and he's just focused on himself uh so yeah I mean that makes sense yeah that makes sense Mr. Hall and Mrs. Hall are separated and like Charlie's like really dumb. He's like, oh, I keep on going on these sleepovers to like Jesse and Terry's house and mom's <laughs> coming too. That's weird. Yeah. I mean, you would figure that's a good point though. You would figure Jesse Hall and Charlie would be like close, but maybe not. Maybe Jesse has some animosity towards Charlie or um, does he try to fill Charlie in on this situation? Uh, Cause that, that whole relationship between Jesse and Charlie, I think would play a factor in, uh, what happened here yeah i think, Jesse, I think it's like go ahead i was just gonna say i think it's probably more like that like that he's just like I, i'm not gonna talk to this dude like whatever like obviously it's not charlie's fault but i, I still think it causes a rift yeah so i'm trying to think of evidence uh and like charlie does seem happy or jesse does seem happy to see charlie in d2 uh so we, we would figure this would be uh happening around then um so yeah i mean maybe maybe their relationship took a a good step forward after all of this but he still hated bombay like he didn't blame charlie he blamed bombay um so obviously you get a chance to go to junior goodwill games you take it bombay proves himself as more of a dick and then it comes to eden hall hey uh do you want to play and jesse's finally like it's my choice now and I'm not playing with you. So I think it all makes sort of sense here. Um, so we are saying that, yes, indeed, there was something that happened. Charlie, or sorry, Bombay set this up as an out. He did want his accolades uh, to Bill's point. This is what he was talking about when he told Frank Huddy that he had no idea how low he could stoop. And... I don't think there's anything else uh, we have to really get. We get that Jesse Jesse has figured this out, sort of resents resents Bombay for it, but chooses to represent his country at the Junior Goodwill Games, once in a lifetime opportunity. But then once it comes to Eden Hall, he's like, you broke up my family. And maybe the breakup, like the true breakup between Mr. and Mrs. Hall, like the the chance for reconciliation really went downhill um, during or after the junior goodwill games when Mr. Hall and Casey had a lot of time together. Um, so yeah, I think the pieces fit. Is there anything else we have to uh, discuss here with Bill's question? No, but uh, kudos to, to Bill for, uh, for an inventive story. Yeah, no, I, I like it a lot. Today's quick question comes from Michael. Uh, I, I, I don't know if, should I say his last name? I, I don't really know how this works with these email questions. Um, we'll just say Michael F, but not. Uh, Michael F, Michael, Michael F, or Mike F. Aren't you yeah. Mike F? Mike? I am, but I did not send him this question. Okay. No, he did Mike not. Mike F R. Um, so Mike's question is like most red blooded. Okay. And just settle in folks. This is a pretty long question. Uh, <laughs> 
Mike's question is, like most red-blooded American men on fall Saturdays, I was watching football tonight. However, my beloved Kentucky Wildcats forgot what day it was and never got off the bus. With our 63-3 beatdown by Alabama, I had time to ponder many of the great questions of the universe. But I settled for trying to figure out how Duluth East defeated the Hawks in 1973, and I think I have it figured out. It involves cheating and the fall of the Soviet Union. This is already a great start for this. Um, <laughs> Duluth East was tired of losing every year to the Hawks, so they brought in older kids, but not just any older kids. Pee Wee hockey is up to the 12 and under age, and according to the Minnesota Youth Hockey website, some kids will turn 13 in that season. Duluth, Minnesota is in St. Louis County, Minnesota. Three players on the 1980 Miracle on Ice gold medal winning team were from various parts of St. Louis County. John Harrington, Virginia, Minnesota, age 22. Mark Pavlovich, uh, Eveleth, Minnesota, age 21. And Phil Fergoda. Duluth, Minnesota, age 22, where at least three of the guys brought in to stop the Hawks in Bombay. They each would have been 14 or 15 in 1973. Rakota even played hockey at Duluth East High School. So it's 1973. All the coach needed were local kids who were destined for greatness and some phony birth certificates. Had to be, uh, had to be easier to forge than today. So he calls around St. Louis County and recruits the best kids who just graduated from Pee Wee. Then he passed off these 14 or 15-year-olds as 12 or 13 which isn't completely unfathomable, and he now has a shot against the Hawks. So in sum, it took three guys who helped to bring down the Iron Curtain cheating to beat one little Gordon Bombay. These three guys weren't scrubs either. Pavlovich holds the, uh, the New York Rangers record for points for a rookie. Pavlovich and Harrington uh, were given assists on the famous game-winning goal from Michael Ruzioni. So with that, can we call this case solved? He got in a question there at the end, so I guess that <laughs> technically qualifies. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but uh, so, wow, that's that's a lot of a uh, lot of thought and effort went into that. So just bravo from from the get go. Yeah, I appreciated the research and uh, you know the timing and everything here. Um, so yeah, I think this really hinges on the faking of the birth certificates. And I guess my biggest question would be, wouldn't these kids be recognizable? If they were that good, wouldn't they be recognizable and be like, hey, that kid, didn't that kid play in the Peewees last year and now he's back in the Peewees? I mean, maybe they, like, wear their helmets always and never take them off. Mm. Well, back then, they like, did they even have the shields? Face shields. Yeah. So I, I, I really like the theory. I do feel like Riley would be all over that. Mm. He's family friends with Ducksworth. He knows lawyers. And... You know, you got to feel like he would have been, especially in his younger days, would have called that out very quickly. Um, I'm not saying it didn't happen, um, but I wonder if the Hawks have also kind of had some kind of, have always kind of cheated with boundaries as they did with banks. Mm -hmm. And so if they were to call out, you know, Dolothy's cheating, they would have then turned around and had to be called out themselves. So it's almost like shit they got us at our own game and we mm. had to deal with it. So maybe that's what happened. Yeah, I, I, I like that. Yeah, that's good. I like They, they kind of like caught with their pants down there. Yeah, yeah. So Riley probably knows this. And like, if you look at that Duluth East goalie, he looks like he's about six foot four um, that Gordon goes against. Like he's, his head is well above the crossbar. Um, so it would make sense that they had older kids and you would need sort of a golden generation. Although this is the beginning 
of the Hawks dynasty. So yeah, you would expect Riley was, uh, he hadn't had like the feeder system really going. So he would need to stretch the rules a little bit um, to get things going. And then, yeah, he probably knew, but as Tommy said, you can't turn him in. Like, what are you going to do? Turn in the other team for cheating when you're doing it yourself? And it's um, like, um, there's a great line if if you've ever seen Pony Excess, the uh, the ESPN 30 for 30 on SMU. Doc. There's a real documentary, actually. Um, <laughs> Dale Hansen, who's a longtime reporter in the Dallas area, uh, was talking about Eric Dickerson and how there are always allegations that he was going to A&M because they like bought him a car. And then he flipped to SMU. And then it's like, well, what are you, you're A&M, what can you do? You can't be like, hey, we bribed that kid and he didn't honor the bribe. It's like, yeah. no, you just got to cut your losses. Um, and yeah. so this is it's, the same thing. It's like, you can't, hey, you, you tried to cheat and you, it didn't work out and you can't really call him out because you're cheating too or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's the same thing as like steroids in baseball where it was like, you know, if you call out a guy for cheating, it's like, yeah, but 90% of your team is too. Um, and then on a grander scale, like, just like the mutually assured destruction of nuclear bombs, like everybody has them. They don't use them because they will destroy the world, you know? Uh, so it's kind of like that same concept of mutually assured destruction. Yeah. We've covered a lot of ground here. Only on a much bigger scale with peewee hockey. <laughs> yes. <laughs> covered a lot of ground. I don't know how we ended up in nuclear uh, like Holocaust, but uh, well, I'm we're talking for... about Soviet Union. I mean, it's got to be mentioned. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I think I think this does make sense. The more I think about it, because even if the other teams knew, they probably didn't like the Hawks either. They probably knew the Hawks were stretching the rules, and there was just sort of a culture of silence here. Um, so yeah, I mean, maybe this whole thing probably brings everybody in the league into into play about you know recruiting older kids and stuff like that and then not saying things about it so um i wonder if after this they all kind of had to be like all right we're gonna cut that shit no more cheating and then the hawks just are still able to kind of bend the rules um but i imagine there's maybe some kind of like reset button after this game but the hawks still are able to take advantage just because they do have like the the pedigree yeah yeah there's definitely like uh not necessarily a scandal, but the, there's some rule changes that like make sense when you start thinking about it. And uh, yeah, you have to reset. And, but Riley sort of already has his system going and then he rips off all the state championships. So uh, good question there, Michael. Um, I think we answered it. So the answer is yes. Like these three kids are older and that's what it took to take down um, this uh, early Hawks dynasty here. Do you quick? Do you think the highlight of their career was that, or winning gold at the Olympics? I think at the time they would say, you know, gold. But then once they realized that Bombay uh, became coach of the Junior Goodwill Games, and they're like, oh, we beat him in Pee Wee's. Do you uh, think that Herb Powell, the coach of Team USA, or Herb Brooks, not Herb Powell, Herb, Herb Brooks, Brooks yeah. that he saw these guys and said, wow, they beat the Hawks. You're definitely on Team oh. USA. Mm -hmm. Herb is a or he was a Minnesota guy. Like he he probably knew. Yeah, he was probably had his eyes on these kids for a while there. Um, so it's all making sense. Wow. Uh, yeah, we might have to revisit this and then really uh, 
I need like a cork board like the detectives have with like pictures and string and stuff like that to really figure this one out. But that's, uh, that's probably for another time. At AKD underscore five six, will Frank Huddy make a return in the new series? Son of a bitch, man. He really, he was gonna, <laughs> he, he, he had a whole thing and I was gonna set him up and I was there and it was in the episode I was directing. But believe it or not, it's pretty boring. But I just assumed I wrote myself the role. I did it. And then like three days and I got costume fitted. And three days before they told me, you're not cleared as an actor. Uh, it's like a whole thing as part of the deal. Like I'd be taking a job from, I, I didn't clear it ahead. I never worked permit as an actor. I thought my work permit as producer and director would work for everything. And they said no, and they were really serious about it. So Frank Huddy was shut down. I didn't give the role to anyone else. He'll be back. he'll be there though in season two, no matter what. Okay. Yeah. Would yeah. it be that you were taking a role from a Canadian actor? It was, yeah. I mean, essentially, yeah. we didn't make a deal. Uh, everything would have been an exception, and I, I didn't give myself a good part, a big part. But um, yeah, I couldn't prove that was an essential. There you go. The five nominees. There was probably five to six more that I, I really considered, but you know, you got to cut it down. This episode is already way too long. So I'm going to keep it short here as we come to another year. I just want to thank everybody for listening and uh, plenty to look forward to in 2021. Uh, a special thanks to the producers, the people who have uh, given us money to continue to do this. And, and it really is the only way we've sort of figured out that will be consistent and, and help us keep it going and pay for um, the minimal expenses we have. So uh, thank you so much to our executive producers, Elsie Barnett and Alex Ybarra, our other producers, Deborah Chen, Jeremiah Bershey, Adam Ferry, Joyce Ng, Jared Beasley, Lisa Wobig, and Anthony Geoffrey. If you want to be a producer of this show, there's a link in the show notes. It really means a lot and really goes a long way towards uh, c us continuing to do this and us making it as good as we can make it. Go to thequackattack.com and vote. Uh, I'll skip everything else that I usually say and just say thank you. Remember, ducks fly together.